All right, in the dozen or so minutes we have left, we're going to try and pack this segment with good news. Starting with the fact that Jersey Boys, the play we enjoyed very much and spoke with Elizabeth Orpina of the Sacramento Bee about last year, is being made into a movie thanks to Clint Eastwood. I can tell you that it was a hell of a good play, and I have hope in my heart that it will be a hell of a good movie. We'll see. And down in South America, we see a victory for the environment. Chile has nixed an ambitious plan to power the country by damming two of the world's wildest rivers. President Michelle Bachelet's government rejected the $8 billion hydroelectric dam, which was seven years in the planning, saying the project would do irreparable harm to the environment and significantly alter the pristine Patagonian landscape. Which is a far cry from what Governor Jerry Brown did when he was sitting in the... uh, executive chair back in the 70s, and we damned the Stanislaus, even though we had no idea what to do with the water then. Oh, they, they'd find a use for it. They were confident, and of course, they did. And we're sort of glad that in this year of drought, a lot of attention is being paid to this effort to put the twin tunnels down and suck more water out of our delta. We are optimistic that may yet be stopped. Speaking with Mike Bond a few weeks back, we talked about the disaster of shark finning going on, so we were encouraged by this item which is that when Chinese fisherman Cao Tu hauled in a 200-pound, 100-year-old sea turtle, he felt he had to do the right thing, and he released the endangered animal. This decision couldn't have been easy, because Kai could have earned two months' wages by selling delicacy to a restaurant, where it would have made into turtle soup. Said Mr. Kai, I looked into the turtle's eyes and saw something that was alive before my grandfather was born, and I didn't want to be the end of that journey. Good for him. And although uh, we have not yet heard from Pamela Taylor, and will not on today's program. We'll hopefully have her on next week. So maybe we can ask her about this one, this item that if you ever wondered why it is that koalas hug trees, well, it looks like the, the verdict is in. No, Ms. McMillan, they're not environmentalists. They do it to keep cool. Apparently some bright sparks down under got out some infrared equipment and measured the heat coming off the trees with the koalas clutching them and found out that uh, these little animals were abandoning the eucalyptus in very hot weather to cling to acacia trees. And surprise, surprise, when we did the measurements, the acacia trunks were an average 45 degrees cooler than the air surrounding them. The eucalyptus trunks were just 36 degrees cooler. So I guess we've cleared up that mystery. Some good news on the political and legislative front. It appears a bill is passing to the legislature that would equalize penalties for crack and powder forms of cocaine. It's long been noted by many sane voices like Dr. Dina Dell that uh, making a greater penalty for crack is pretty much about as racist as you can make legislation since crack is favored by urban black populations and powdered cocaine is favored by suburban white types. But in fact, they're both cocaine. We hope that gets through the legislature. We also want to note with some optimism that there may be a revival going on in the nuclear industry. We take the position on this program that nuclear power is vital to our future. I'd like to cite a Q&A from Discover Magazine some weeks back, where the Q was, why aren't we using thorium in nuclear reactors? Given that the possibility of a meltdown is nearly zero and the waste cannot be used to make bombs. Noted the magazine, in a word, precedent. It is certainly possible to base nuclear reactors around thorium as opposed to the more commonly used element, uranium. Thorium reactors likely would be somewhat safer because of the thorium-based fuel's greater stability versus uranium-based fuel, and the added benefit of not producing as much nuclear bomb fuel. Of course, they're still not perfect. 
Even though a conventional meltdown would be unlikely, thorium still produces harmful radiation that needs to be contained. And something could always go wrong. But the real reason we use uranium over thorium is a result of wartime politics. Cold War era governments, including ours, backed uranium-based reactors because they produced plutonium, which was very handy for making nuclear weapons. They concluded by noting that thorium nuclear power might well be the answer for some countries. China and India are investing heavily in its development. And although we've talked about the cutting down of the rainforest, especially in the Amazon basin, uh, we were not aware of the fact that apparently that's actually been slowing. It's still going on, but the rate has been decreasing markedly. According to The Economist magazine, figures show that deforestation fell by 70% in the Brazilian Amazon region during the past decade. The Brazilian success is credited to a three-stage process in which bans, better government in frontier areas, and consumer pressure on companies have worked, however fitfully. Speaking of water politics, as we often are in this program, there's some uh, hope that the Aral Sea could be partly resurrected. In 1960, the Aral Sea was the world's fourth largest lake, but massive irrigation programs begun during the Soviet era diverted water from the rivers that fed it, reducing the lake's volume to just 10% of what it had been. Some efforts now being made to conserve water and, and thus keep the northern part of the lake alive a little bit longer. Unfortunately, though, no work is underway to restore this southern region. And uh, now, the, the farms which have been established using the irrigated water uh, in the region are, are felt to be essential to the local economy. Doesn't this remind you of California? But anyway, some recent research has shown that the lake has actually dried out many times uh, during human history, actually, and there's hope that it can, again, make a comeback. Speaking of making a comeback, right here in Northern California... A California condor was spotted in San Mateo County, which sent a jolt of excitement through biologists who are trying to bring back one of America's most endangered species. Bird number 597 is a three-year-old female. She flew more than 100 miles north from Pinnacles National Park in San Benito County and landed on a private forested property near Pescadero on the San Mateo County coast. It's noted that in 1982, the nationwide condor population was just 22. Today, it's 433, with 238 living in the wild. And we're really curious about the forecasts for this coming year, which have a lot of people saying that they expect an El Nino to bring back wetter conditions to California, currently suffering one of its worst droughts ever. I don't know whether to take this forecast seriously enough to go out and buy flood insurance for my house, which I let expire. But God knows, we hope they are correct. We do need more water here in our arid west. We will make a point to revisit the story uh, sometime around Thanksgiving. We ought to know by then how things are looking. And final item of the day, which is kind of a cool science story, is that the fossil, the largest animal ever to have walked on Earth, has been found in Argentina. The creature, thought to be a new species of titanosaur, likely weighed 170,000 pounds, measuring 130 feet long and 65 feet tall. These size estimates are based on the length and circumference of the creature's fossilized femur found out in the deserts of Patagonia. The species belongs to a group called sauropods, characterized by their enormous heft and elongated bodies. I guess we'd say you should think brontosaurus. Even though technically we know that they got demoted some time back, owing to some confusion over which was the fossil head, which was the fossil body, etc. It's noted that although uh, guessing overall size from a few bones is a little bit tricky, 
this new species is likely to displace the previous heavyweight champ, the Argentinosaurus, which was first unearthed in 1987. It should be noted that despite this dinosaur's enormity, modern blue whales, which can weigh as much as 320,000 pounds, still reign as the largest creatures ever to inhabit the Earth. And by God, I think this story allows us to go out on today's program with the immortal Was Not Was and their great hit, Walk the Dinosaur. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. Our thanks to our good pal, Mr. Will Durst. Always a pleasure to have him on. On next week's program, you'll hear more of our pre-recorded talk with Pete McCloskey and hopefully from our Australian correspondent, Pamela Sue Taylor, Down Under. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. We'll see you then. Picked up a monkey skull to go